Let's go to our great Lord and Savior in prayer. Father, we love you. God, we are amazed by all that you are and all that you do. Father, I pray that hopefully we've entered this room this morning having already asked forgiveness, having already cast our hearts upon whatever it is that you have for us this morning. Lord, I pray that we are ready to worship, that we've already worshiped and we will continue to do so, for you are absolutely worthy of our worship. May our worship be sweet to your nostrils. May it not be strange. May it not be saddening. But may our worship honor and glorify the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Father, I pray this morning that it would not be me that speak this morning. That my voice would disappear behind the words of your word and the words of your Holy Spirit to each and every individual heart this morning. Father, we give you praise. And we give you honor. As we look at your word, speak to us. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I don't even know if I need this thing or not. (laughs) Man, it's loud. Um, I'm a loud guy, so just so you know... um, And I will pull up my glasses. I'm going to look at you so I can see who's out there for a minute. But then I will take my glasses and put them on my head. That way I can actually read what I've got. Because I can't read my glasses on, which is strange, I know. But that's what I have to have. So I'm an odd guy. Most everybody will um, tell you that, especially in Patoka, that I am definitely different than anything they've ever experienced or hope to ever experience again, probably. Um, But I I, kind of laughed when I saw this. I know if I took this back... Not because it's prepared out for me. I'm thankful for Kyle for giving that to me so I understood how your services work. But um, if my church saw the amount of time that Kyle gave me, he would. my church would absolutely laugh hysterical, probably rolling on the floors. Because holding me to a time frame is generally ill-advised. <laughs> um, but I preached this sermon a few weeks ago. As a matter of fact, we started talking about this pastoral swap for, for a Sunday back when we did an ordination service. And he is preaching that sermon that he preached at that ordination ceremony, um, that service, because I thought my church should hear it. So we began talking about it, and it's one of those things that I, a pastor doing in his own church should dodge the bricks. So I, I'm really not for dodging bricks. I'd rather not have to. So I thought, you know, Kyle could go preach that, and I could preach whatever he wants at his church. That would be a great swap. Now, if you've noticed, I do have a southern accent, so if you struggle understanding what I'm saying, just raise your hand and ask me to repeat it. I'll be more than happy to. My church does often. What did you say, Pastor? Let me re-say it, and I'll say it even slower if that's possible. Because I do have a southern draw. I am originally from East Tennessee. I've lived in other places other than East Tennessee, but East Tennessee is pretty much what I call home. But now Illinois is my home. So I began preaching our sermon series, which I don't normally do. I tend to do like Kyle does and walk straight through books. But I saw that our church needed to understand what the church is 
and what the church purpose is. Because if you ask the average church member throughout America, what is the purpose of the church, they have no clue. They'll give you random answers that, frankly, just doesn't mess up, match up with what Scripture has to say. And then if you stop, start asking, what is our purpose, you'll get even weirder ideas. The church are the gathered and called out children of God. We are those who have been adopted through His blood. The blood of the Son. And it most certainly is different than what many of us tend to think before we came to know Christ. Amen? Man, if y'all don't speak up and do something, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> Alright? Feel free. Alright? I'm not one of those. I don't, want, I don't like reservation. Uh, enjoy Jesus today. Alright? But Jesus as we know Him and the church as, know, as we know Him should be different than what we thought before we came to Christ, right? Well, many of you may have grown up in church as I did, but I grew up in church hating the God of the church. I grew up hating the church itself because the church as I saw it was full of hypocrites. And it still is. Myself being one that, of those people. But this is way different than what I thought before I came to know Christ. And frankly, it's much different than what many people seem to think. So as we look at it this morning about church and our purpose, we're going to look at the purpose of worship. We are called to worship. Make sure that's up there. Yeah, so we're going to look at Psalm 100. If you don't mind, go ahead and turn your word in the word there. We're going to look at the purpose of worship. Worship is a focus on God. Which is problematic for the self-absorbed. It is very problematic for those who mainly think about themselves. For they will struggle. It does not have anything to do with our preferences in music. It doesn't have anything to do with our preference in ordered service. It has nothing to do with our preference in carpet color or building. It has nothing to do with that. If that has been your focus, I challenge you to repent and find Jesus today. Because that is not the focus of worship. The focus of our worship is God alone. Worship is all about Him. And we have been called as the body. In fact, commanded to gather both in corporate worship and to worship individually. I find that many of those that have become so self-indwelled that they only think about what they like and what they think and what they want to do and they, 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 I, I, I is a problem, right? And they struggle with a biblical church acting like a biblical church should. So, if I ask you, what do you think about when you hear the word worship, what do you think? I'm going to stand here all day. God, okay. Anyone else? What do you think about when you hear the word worship? Praising God? Okay. Would I be safe to say that the average church member, the average person thinks it's just singing? Would I be safe to say that? Huh? No? Well, good. I'm glad that it's not because the average church would probably say that. It's the singing part. The average church member thinks that worship is singing but it's not. It's only part of worship. Opening the Word is part of worship. It involves reading. 
It involves studying the Word. It involves knowing His Word. It involves bringing the Word to action in our life. And living as a sacrifice for His purposes. That's a fun word, isn't it? Sacrifice. Worship involves dying to self. So that His will and His ways come first. Romans 12.1 puts it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Worship is not just singing. It's not just reading and studying. It's putting our knowledge in action. It's putting His knowledge in action. It's putting His will in action. As Scripture puts it, We've been not just called to worship. We are to be a people of worship. I'm one of those guys. I have a motorcycle if you don't know me. If you, don't, if you just met me for the first time and maybe you're like, I haven't met you. I just barely know your name. And I probably have already forgotten it. Um, but I have a motorcycle and I like to ride. I love to ride my motorcycle. But I'm also that guy on the motorcycle that everybody seems to think is nuts. Because you'll find me at red lights praising God. And there's nothing crazier than seeing a guy sing praises to God at a red light. I've had people roll down their window and go, Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Just praising my Lord. Okay. And the window goes right back up. Because I look abnormal, and I should. As we all should act and live and look abnormal to the outside world. We're to be in the world, but not part of it. We're supposed to be different. We should look different, act different, think different. It's part of our worship is to be different. We're to be a people of worship. So let's look at, today we're going to look at the what, the how, and the why of worship as we look at Psalm 100. So look at it. Let's read it. Shout, to, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Oh, wait a minute. Let me read that again. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. That gets you attention? Yeah, I hope so. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. Woo! Man, that's awesome stuff. So, as we have read it, let's look at the what first. Let's look at the what of worship first. You'll note here, if you read it again, there are seven imperatives or commands given. Those necessary and absolute things that we've been told to do in just five verses about worship. So the first one of those what's is to shout! Shout. When was the last time you shouted in church? When was the last time that you actually had the Holy Spirit? If you are His, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. When was the last time that you didn't just so bury the Holy Spirit within you that you actually had to let Him out? Woo! I love you, Lord. When was the last time? We see that there should be an enthusiasm in worship. We serve an awesome God. We should be enthusiastic about it. It's not a drudgery. It should be something we love. 
This used to be, this is actually used like one of the fanfares. When he says, shout joyfully to the Lord, it's a shout that's used as a fanfare for a king. And we do that of loyalty to a sovereign Lord. We serve a living, omnipotent, omniscient God and not some dumb idol. Yet many of our idols get most of our enthusiasm. Anybody in here like baseball? I'm guessing y'all are Cardinals fans, right? Um, okay, what, who do you like? Cubs, okay. We'll, we'll definitely pray for you, brother. I, I'm a Braves fan. I'm a lost guy in the middle of the Midwest. I am an absolutely a Braves fan. How, anybody here like soccer? As much, probably don't like it as much as I do. I love soccer. I call it football, real football, not American hand egg. Anybody like football, American football? Yeah, okay. we got a sports guy right over here. Has anybody ever been to one of those games? You ever been to a game with another Christian? What did they do? Woo! Yeah, go team! And yet when we come to church, we sing things. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. Please tell my face you're so great. Why can't we get excited about the Lord that we serve? Why can we not get excited and enthusiastic about Jesus? It's because we placed Him as something aside and we placed idols before Him. We'll go to grandkids or kids stuff and we'll shout and we'll praise Him for hitting the ball. And we're like, oh, Jesus saved another soul. We have way too many idols and Jesus is above them all and God is above them all and we should place them in that proper perspective. We serve an almighty God. And frankly, most Christians today should remind their face that they serve an almighty God. Be the weird one. It's okay. I have a friend, Greg Steer, he lives out in Colorado, he does a lot of great things with teenagers, and my friend always says this, awkward is awesome, and I kind of like it, because if you meet me, I'm a little awkward. But I also want you to imagine this, when people come together as a group, we always wait for somebody to warm us up, right? Anybody watch the Olympics? Anybody ever watch the Olympics? Oh yeah, that's the Olympics is kind of fun to watch, right? You ever watch track and field? I'm a track coach at Patoka, not because I'm a great track coach or I know anything about track, because they have no one else and so they ask me. All right? I know about sports. I know how to motivate kids. I can get teenagers to do stuff that most people just can't. But imagine an Olympic track star. Maybe it's the 100, right? Anybody remember? What's his name that broke all the records? The guy from Jamaica. I can't remember. I just... Now you saying both. Now imagine him getting up and he's at the finals of the Olympics and he gets up and he's in the block, right? So he gets in this position and they call him to his mark and he gets down and he starts to go and they shoot the gun and he starts doing this. And everybody else takes off and he's right here just still stretching. And he starts doing, going through his warm-up routine. Would anybody think he'd lost his mind? This is the main event, folks. Why must we wait for someone else to warm us up? Come ready. Come warmed up. Come get ready. And when you walk through these doors, be ready to praise alongside brothers and sisters in Christ. 
not starting our stretches after it's already started. We would think Usain Bolt had lost his mind, yet we don't think we have. Because we've lost what it means to praise. We've lost what it means to worship. I'm not saying go Pentecostal, but it's okay to be Baptocostal. I am one of those. I love my Jesus. Many of us show up expecting someone else to do the work, someone else to warm us up. Come ready to worship. Be ready. And remind your face. Second, we see in the second verse it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. We come ready to serve God and others. Whenever we're together, and even when we're apart, we get up, we go through your morning routine. Mine is coffee, because no one wants to know me without coffee. My kids know that, and I have five kids. One of them is in college, and my youngest one is one and a half, just so you know. Uh, right? So, uh, but my kids know, has he had his coffee yet? Uh, because they know I'm just a, I'm a grumpy groove uh, before, I, before I've had my coffee. It wakes me up. Coffee and the Word is what gets me going in the morning. So go through your morning routine and then be ready to serve God throughout the day. We minister Him with our praise as we encourage others and being unashamed to do so. I don't care if you can't carry a tune in a bucket. Sing loud and proud for everyone to hear. If you sing really bad, great. Sing it loud for God. God gave you that voice. He meant for you to use it. Sing it for Him. It doesn't matter if you sing great or gross. Use it. Matter of fact, if you sing really loud, badly, somebody else has to sing even louder, well, to cover it up. And that's a great thing. You'll encourage them to sing even louder. Don't be ashamed. Sing loud as though the world depends on our praise because it does. We need to encourage each other. And see, hearing someone else praise God encourages me to praise God even louder and more. And when I see someone else doing stuff for God, it encourages me to do it even more. The world depends on us praising and singing loudly for everyone. And be ready to serve. That's a fun word. Serve. Be ready to work and toil for His kingdom. It's disturbing when you go to churches and you ask them to do things and they're like, that just seems like too much work, Pastor. Well, then go lay down in your grave and stay there because God didn't bring us together to sit on a pew. He brought us together to serve each other and to serve the world outside of here. He brought us so that we might encourage one another, help embolden each other, and hold each other accountable so that when we go out into the world, we're ready to just overflow into them. Hey, can I tell you about my Jesus? Hey, how, what are your needs? How can I help you? Well, why are you helping us? Because my Jesus is Lord and I want you to see Him. And if I have to serve and I have to make my back break for you, I will. Because it's about Him and not about me. We serve Him and His kingdom. We serve Him and His people. And we serve a lost world because that's how they come to know Him. What are we doing in our communities? Are we serving them? Someone asked, well, it's actually in the book written by Richard and, and, and the Blackaby family, basically, called Flicker and Lots. And he puts it this way If your church were to close the doors tomorrow, 
Would your community even miss you? If the answer is no, there's time to repent and go start doing something that your community will notice. We're called to be beacons. We're called to be servants. And many of us have decided, well, I'm going to serve the pew I sit on by making sure it feels good about me holding me up. It's not service. We are to shout to the Lord and we're to serve Him. But we're also, notice the second part of verse 2, come before Him with joyful singing. We are to come. We gather or enter His courts before an Almighty God. This actually infers a more formal gathering within the temple gates. When they entered the temple gates, they came before through the gates. We are to regularly, 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 I would even say if we're not regularly gathering, that's a f- terrible word to try and say if you're a southerner. I'll just tell you, regularly is terrible. We're supposed to gather all the time. Before Him and before His throne, so we might magnify the name of the Lord, who is worthy above all to be praised. And while I say that, the average church attendance is less than two times per month. Average is less than twice a month. Does that mean regular? Is that regular? I think not. Let us gather regularly so I can be encouraged and someone can hold me accountable so I can hear the praises of my neighbor and so I can be encouraged through them so they can push me where I'm not willing to be pushed so they can kick me in the fanny if I need it. Or as one of my buddies said, one of my account used to be accountability said, if you ever do that again, I'll bust you in the head. Okay, I'll take that. I need to hear it. We're to come together. And not drudgingly like, oh, let's get up and go to church. No, hey, we get to worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ today. Let's hurry. Let's get there. I don't want to be late. I can't miss it. Because my brothers and sisters are there. And if you don't like each other, and maybe you don't like me, heaven's going to be a long and miserable time because I'm going to be there and so is everybody else. If you can't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're going to hate heaven. Because they're going to be there. Forever. You might as well learn to like, even like each other. Not just love each other. Or learn to even like each other. We come. We shout. We serve. We come and we know. Verse 3 says, Know that the Lord Himself is God. We are called to know. Many people struggle to praise and worship like they should. And I've often wondered why is it you walk in many churches... I typically go to Baptist churches, so you walk in in a lot of Baptist churches, and I'm not talking church plants. I love church plants. I love church plants because those people don't care. They are fresh out of the sewer. And somebody cared enough to reach down in and pull them out, and they've started cleaning them off and washing them off. And if you don't think your life before Jesus was a sewer, you should look back and actually think about it. Because I know mine was. Church planting, when I was in a church plant, was described to me this way. It's digging in the sewer for gold nuggets. And every once in a while you'll find one. But you gotta, when you find one, you've got to spend the rest of your days cleaning and washing it off. And fashioning it into something that gives praise and honor to God. But I'm going to tell you, church plants, those people know how to praise and love Jesus. They don't sing things. 
They, they would never sing this song like this. Worthy of worship, which we sang this morning. They would never sing it like this. Or not anyone I've ever been in. Worthy of worship. Worthy of praise. Worthy of honor and glory. Does that sound like He's worthy? Does that sound like I'm convinced that He's worthy? Now you work into a church plant where most of the people were probably lost just a few days or a few months ago. And you'll hear this. Worthy of worship. And it may be terrible just like that. Because they're excited. Because they have found new life. They remember like it was yesterday because it might have been what it means to be saved. To be guaranteed eternity in heaven. Because their life is still a mess. But they know Jesus is going to help them fix it. We know our Lord, that He Himself is God. I would suggest that we struggle to find praise and worship. That we struggle to do so because we either have yet to truly discover who that Jesus is and we've thought maybe we can fake it till we make it. Well, I was raised in church. Glad to know it, but that don't get you to heaven. Well, I said a prayer one time, congratulations, that probably ain't going to get you to heaven either. But you don't know my grandma. No, don't care. Don't need to. doesn't matter what grandma did. It matters what you do. It matters who you serve. It matters who you have given your heart and your everything to. We know Him. Many struggle because they've yet to discover or maybe they've forgotten whom it is that they worship. Maybe they've forgotten who it is they actually worship and they need to be reminded. We serve an almighty Jesus. We serve an almighty Lord. And He is worthy of praise. He's worthy of worship. It isn't hard. It isn't hard to worship God when you truly know Him. When you truly know the God of the Word that He has that he's told us and know that He has shared Himself with us and how He wants us to be and, and share with us who He is and then knowing that He gave His only begotten Son to die in our place, it's not hard to worship that God. It's not. It should not be hard to worship that Lord. Especially since we know all that He's done. And we all know what He will do. And that frankly, I don't know why, but He's preparing me a place in His mansion. Shoot, I'll take a rucksack outside. Because it's better than the alternative. But He said, no, you're mine. I'm giving you a room in my house. It's not hard to worship that God. It's not hard. And we are called to know Him that causes us to sing. We're called to know Him, and that causes us to study. We're called to know Him, and knowing Him causes us to sing, and it causes us to study, and it causes us to pray. Because we want to converse with the Lord that we long to know, and we long to see, and we long to be with. I got a question. How many of you are married or have been married? Most everybody. I'm married too. My wife would be proud that I raised my hand. <laughs> hey, there we are. Would your spouse 
appreciate it or even think that you knew them. If you spent one hour a week, about 18 weeks of the year, with them. Do you know your spouse if you've only spent an hour a week a year? Even just one hour every week of the year? Do you, would you think that you knew that person? Absolutely not. No. I love seeing couples that have been together for a long time. You are an inspiration and we need more of those. I've been with my wife about 16 years and I'm dumbfoundedly amazed at the things I still learn about her. And sometimes I'm dumbfoundedly amazed that she's still figuring me out. Like I'm very hard. I'm pretty simple. I'm simply an idiot. And it still surprises her sometimes. But we can't say that we would know our spouse if we only spent one hour each week with them. Then why do we do the same thing to God that I just said wouldn't work with our spouse? Why do we do the least amount to maintain the most important relationship that we'll ever have? God, You are above all and You're beyond all and I need You beyond anything else I've ever needed. And You are the most important person that I could ever have in my life. I'll give You one hour each week. Talk about doing the minimum. That's not okay. Knowing Jesus will cause us to love Him more. Knowing who the God of the Bible is causes us to praise Him evermore. And frankly, it will cause us to praise Him more boldly, in public, and more loudly, so anybody that's close to us know who He is. Anybody. And everybody. We're called to shout. We're called to serve. We're called to come. We're called to know. And then we're called to enter. Look at verse 4. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. This refers to the gates of the temple. We enter the gates. Now, that you know where the temple is now? Anybody know where the temple is? And it ain't this nice, beautiful building. It is a nice building. It is a beautiful building. But this ain't the church. It is nice, but this ain't the temple. Where's the temple? Where's the temple? Oh, you got it. It's right here. It's right here. Should we open our heart, open the gates, and say, come on in, Lord Jesus. Clean this nasty mess out. No closets are too full for you. No closets are off limits. Nothing is off for you. You get it all. Anybody got that closet in your house that you don't want anybody to open when they come over? Anybody has to do like us? The greatest thing in the world for my family is knowing that someone's coming over. I got five kids. One's in college. The other four are, un are 11 and under. Yeah, I spread them out. I wouldn't advise it. All right? I'm getting too old for that. But our house looks like it's been lived in by a tornado. In the middle of a rummage sale. But the greatest thing for our house sometimes is knowing that somebody's coming over because what happens? 
I start cleaning it up and I start cleaning it out. Oh, I gotta put this back where it actually goes for a change. I can't run by it anymore. I need to put it up. And we start cleaning the house. But here's the thing if you invite someone over who's very important to you, are you gonna leave them in the entryway of the door? Is that where you leave them? Or do you invite them in? Hey, I want to show... When you get a new house, what do you do? You invite your friends over and you say, Hey, this is the bedroom. And these are all the kids. Here's a bathroom. I don't know why people show you bathrooms. That's a little strange for me. But I don't know. It's, maybe it's just me. But they'll show you the new bathroom. And they'll show you the kitchen. And they'll show you the cabinets. They'll even open those up. And they'll show you where the couch is going to be. And they show you the living room. And they show you the closets. But when we become Christians, for some reason we say, God, come on in. You can stay right here in the entryway. And he says, but I want to go. No, no, no. There's some stuff I don't want you to see over there. Maybe it's time in order to worship God that we open up the house and say, hey, see that closet? I can't do that myself. Can you do that for me? Because I can't, I, don't, I can't bear to clean that closet out because it reminds me of who I used to be. Can you please clean that out for me? And our Lord Jesus will go, yes, I'll clean it out for you. I'll help you along the way. It's going to hurt. But it's time to clean house. We enter. And we open it all up into the gates. And expectant worshipers must enter. Leave the world in its legion of problems behind. That's one thing I love about coming to church and gathering with, with everyone. I love it. Why? Because the world goes away for however long I'm with my family. However long I'm with my family. And they are my family. You're my family whether you like me or not. You're my family. I'm probably that odd one in the south we stick on the front porch that keeps everybody away. The crazy one. I'm the guy you stick out there. Or we keep him locked up in this room because you just don't want to let him out. But that's what, we're still family. We gather with our family and the world's problems seem to drift away as we worship an almighty God. I've, mm, yeah, an example for that. I told you I coached track. That I'll go back to soccer though. Because still, track is still yet a mystery to me. I used to coach soccer. I've coached high school. I've coached middle school. I've coached just about every level. At the last church I was at, I coached in a high school that was about twice the size of Centralia High School, at least. We had a state-running team, and I was part of that coaching team that if you finished less than fifth in the year, then you got, then you got your job axed. Everyone. And I had kids that were so struggling. I served, I served, and I, they didn't pay me. And I didn't ask them to because it gave me an opportunity to share Jesus with students. Gave me an opportunity to walk the halls. And they gave me free reign at that hospital. But it kind of was. That high school, which was a hospital of lost souls. And they gave me free reign because they knew I was there to serve students and love on kids. And they let me go. But I remember some of those conversations and there would be kids there with many, many problems. Problems that I wish, I, I wish I'd never had to hear about. And frankly, I don't understand. Kids that had multiple families. 
that, that their family had divided up by twos and threes and they were trying to struggle through that and kids going through divorce and kids watching their parents go down in drug addiction and kids going through all kinds of things. And I always got to tell them, hey, when you come to soccer, when you come to practice, when you come here, you don't have to worry about any of that. You just be here. And you'd watch those kids just brighten up and realize that, hey, I don't have to worry about that stuff for at least the next couple of hours because there's a coach who loves me and who's going to help me get better and he loves me for who I am and he's going to help me know I don't understand that guy because he's weird and crazy Jesus freak thing and he, he shares that Jesus with me, which I don't get, but I know he loves me. For a couple hours, they got to leave the world outside and just enjoy what they love. And I'm telling you, church, when we gather together, leave the world outside and its problems so that we might come together and just love on the Jesus that we know. Enter. Because He's our focus when we gather. Give thanks is the next one. Last part of verse 4 says, Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Give thanks. He has done what you could not do for yourself. He willingly sacrificed His only Son, Jesus, upon a cross. And if that ain't reason enough to worship, you ain't got one. So that we might be saved. He came and sent His only Son to save a bunch of wretches and disgusting humans who frankly didn't want Him, thought we didn't need Him, and frankly someday still shake our fist at Him. And He said, I love you. I'll sacrifice my Son for you. He's worthy to be praised. If He holds us, He teaches us, He guides us, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He always listens to us. That's just a few things to name what He does. Then why do we struggle to worship? Give thanks for all that He's done. He gave you a life temporary. He created everything that we see and all those things beyond. He allowed you to wake up another day. He hasn't given you what you actually deserve. He gave you purpose. And He gave you eternal life. That is a God we can worship. He is worthy of all our thanks. I would even suggest if you start and end each day not focusing on anything else but giving thanks to God for what He's done for you, the problems we face become less daunting and some may even fade away as we begin to realize there's nothing I can't give to Him that He can't take care of. Give thanks. We're also called to bless His name. The last, very last part of verse 4. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. There is another call to praise here. You think it might be important? It kind of says it over and over again. His name is above every name. He is a name worthy to be praised. He is above all else and all others. With all our hearts, we should praise His name above anything and anyone other. Bless His name. 
It is only He. It is only by His grace and His mercy I stand here today. Only by Him. There's the what we should do in worship. And you're like, brother, I think and I know why your church laughed. <laughs> what? How? I think that's right. Yeah, how? That's dark. Okay, how? <laughs> These parts of the how not just tell us what we are to do, they clarify not what we are to do, and they clarify what to do. As we've seen, not just how we should worship, but it tells us how. Verse 1, going back to verse 1. Shout, shout! There it is again. Shout, shout! Anybody want to shout? Woo! Love Jesus. Anybody want to love Jesus in the morning? Nobody wants to shout other than me. I'm just the weird one out. Okay. Shout! Well, how should I shout? Joyfully. Joyfully! I should shout joyfully! Woo! I love my Jesus! See my face? I'm reminded, it's amazing when a smile comes on your face. Doesn't your whole body just take a different posture? Doesn't everything just seem better when you can find a reason to smile? Still on him. Oh, okay, I'm here. Woo, I get to be here. I'm happy. I'm not just happy, but I'm joyful. We're to shout joyfully. We should sing and shout with joy. Once again, remind our hearts and faces that we're here to praise an almighty and holy God. Joy and not just happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is eternal. Why? Because our joy is found in Jesus alone. It is in His Holy Spirit that dwells within us that our joy comes out of. And that don't go away. We should take the lid off and let it out. You can't take my joy away. You can try. You can take my happiness. You can beat me half to death, put me in prison, whatever you may do, but you cannot take my joy from me because my joy is found in Jesus and all His promises that He's always taken care of and He always will. There's where my joy is. Can't take it. Can't take it. Matter of fact, I told one of our deacons, he's now a deacon, he wasn't when I first came to Patoka. When I first came there, I said, you know what? There may become a time, especially in the state of Illinois, that I may have to go to prison for preaching the truth of God's Word. And I'll go. Because if I have to go to prison, apparently God has somebody for me to talk to, witness to, and share Jesus with in prison. And you know what my guy, I, what my now deacon, you many of you all know, probably know Chris. You know what he said to me? I'll probably be shortly behind you. Well, great! Praise the Lord, I'll have somebody to praise with. Won't just be me. Another voice to the chorus. We're to shout joyfully. It should well up in us in a way that bursts out of us. It should well up in us that we can't hold it in anymore. Then, oh, that lid, oh my goodness. It should be like Old Faithful, just bring it out. Anybody seen Old Faithful? I have not gotten the privilege to see that. Man, that sucker, I've seen video. Man, it goes off, don't it? Put a cap on that thing. What happens to the cap? It probably going to blow up. If we try to put a, a, a lid on our joy, it should blow right off. We should overflow. We should overflow. And everyone around us should notice it. Shout with joy. 
serve the Lord with what? Gladness. When we serve God and others, we should be glad that we have the opportunity to serve them. We should be glad that God has given us purpose and that we can serve Him and that we can serve others. We held yesterday in Patoka. We had Patoka Spectacular. We had a few, two of the other churches join with us. And we served our community. And here's what I didn't see. Man, preacher, it's hot because it was warm. I don't find it hot, but I'm from the south. This ain't hot. But I didn't see any of that. I didn't see, well, I guess, I guess since you put it on my list, I have to do this. No! It was, hey, how can we serve our community? How can we help? How can we love on them? How can we intermingle with them? How can we serve them? We serve them with gladness. We didn't complain. Our attitude wasn't shoddy. But we're glad to be used. Hey, I'm still fit. I still can walk. I had gold men that could barely walk going, I'm still here, brother. I still got purpose. I've still got wind in my lungs and my feet still work, so I'm here to serve. I can't do much anymore, but I'll make cookies. Bingo. And they did it with a gladness in their heart. We should be glad to serve the mighty King of Kings. We should serve Him with rejoicing in our heart. We should be glad to be able to serve. And then how else do we serve? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come to Him before Him with what? Joyful singing. How do we sing? How do we come before Him? We come before Him with joyful singing. When we come before the Lord, do we do so with joyful singing? And not with a funeral dirge? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Really? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. Joyfully. Not begrudgingly. This is loudly. Matter of fact, if you look at the the, the, lexic, the Hebrew lexicon on this, it actually means uh, uh, shrill. Anybody think of that when you think of worship? Let's be shrill. Woo! Praise Him. Praise Him loud. Get loud with it. Joyfully. Proud that we serve a holy God. And then we do it with thanksgiving. Enter His gates. How do we enter them? Thankfully. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you for reaching down and grabbing a hold of me. Thank you for sending your only Son to die on the cross. Thank you for your Word that I might know how to live and act. Thank you for the joy that's in within my heart. Thank you that I have a home to go to. Thank you for saving my friends. Thank you for a new family that doesn't look at me like I'm a weirdo. Thank you for a family who works and serves alongside of me. Thank you so much for all that you've done and given me. Thank you for limbs that work. Thank you for being for the, my next breath. Thank you. Enter His gates with, with a servant's heart, a sacrificial heart. I'm so thankful. Here's me. Here I am. Whatever you want is what you get. I'm so thankful. Here's my checkbook. Lord, 
There's no end into that. Whatever you ask, you get it. It's a blank check. Whatever you want. However you want it. If you have to destroy me to reach someone else, if you have to step on me to make your name be glorified, if you have to crush me that you might be praised, so be it. My life is yours. Do with it what you will. It's a blank check. Whatever you want, you get. Because I am so thankful for what you've already done. Use me up. Pour me out. Isn't that what Paul said? He wanted to be poured out. We have a song, Broken and Spilled Out, right? Remember that one? Pour me out. I don't want to get to heaven with a full tank of gas. I don't know why we would. That's a full tank that hadn't been used. If you use it up, He's always going to refill the cup, right? I want to get to heaven having spent everything that I am. Unable to move anymore, obviously. I'm not able to wake up anymore. I want to be completely and absolutely worn out spent for my Lord. Completely used up. We confess our sins and open up ourselves to His desires. Death to self. To life in Him. With thanksgiving, we also enter His courts. How? We enter His courts with praise. When we consider all He's done, we should easily see Him worthy of all praise and honor. He is the one we stand in awe of. He is the glorious one. Praise Him with our voices. Praise Him in our actions. Praise Him in our thoughts. Praise Him with our lives. He is worthy of all praise. He is worthy of all glory. And He is worthy of all honor. But do other people see that in us? So we've talked about the how of worship. Before that we talked about the what of worship. Now we talk about the why. We're almost done, I promise. Why? Do we worship? As though I hadn't covered it already. Because He is Lord. Shout joyfully to the Lord. But look down in verse 3. Know that the Lord Himself is God. He is Lord. That word is Yahweh. He is the self-sustaining one. He needs nothing. Needs nothing. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. But He loves you. He is the self-sustaining one. He needs nothing, yet He gave everything. He needs nothing, yet He gave Himself for a rebellious creation. He is God. Shoot, if I was God, I'd have probably looked down at Adam and said, that's it, I'm done with you. You stupid humans are it. I'm done. I'll steward something else. But thankfully, I ain't God, right? He said, I love you. I created you with my own hands. And I breathe life into you. And I'll give my life for you. He looked down at humanity and said, I love you so much. I will sacrifice my only son for you. I sacrifice myself for you. He is God. He loved a rebellious and terrible creation. He is God. Above all and beyond all understanding. Yet He still reveals Himself to us. 
He is the eternal one. Not bound by time. He's not bound by space. And He's not bound by matter. He is Lord. Worship our Lord. Why else? Like we need any more. He continues on. And enter His courts with praise. Oh goodness, I need to go back down. <laughs> know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us. If you got nothing else, He made you. He is the one that created you. He is the one that breathed life into you. He is the one that knit you together in your mother's womb. He is the one that knew you before your own mother even knew you. And if you don't like that, that's Psalm 139. That's the Word of God. He knew us before we were born. He knew us. He knows each and every one of us. He knows every hair on your head or lack thereof. He knows our habits. He knows our mindset. He knows our heart set. He made us. We should praise Him for making us. We should also praise Him because we belong to Him. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We, by the way of substitutional death upon the cross, belong to Him. If you claim to be Christian, you do not belong to yourself. You no longer have rights. You belong to the Lord of all. You belong to Him. And that comes with great privilege. It comes with being called a son of God. It comes with being called a co-heir with Jesus. It means He adopted you. When you are hopeless and helpless. Told you I got five kids. One of those is not mine. We adopted our niece. So I love it when Jesus says I adopted you because I have a niece who was adopted and I know what her life, I have a faint idea what her life would have been without our family. Father who's a drug addict is now homeless that lives in Oklahoma City. I told you we're from East Tennessee. How he found his way out there, I do not know. Whom is violent beyond all violent. Who has more hate stirred up in him, and I don't know where it comes from. And his mother, her mom, who was a drug addict from 12 years old, because her own mother took her to parties and introduced her to drugs. Her own mom didn't have a chance, but you know what she did? When we offered to take her, she's like, I know you can offer her more than I ever can. Have her. Have her. We adopted that little girl, although it took a lot. Four years of court dates, four years of driving, and almost an hour each way just to do visits. Four years of being having death threats from my own brother. And I told you I'm the smallest one in the family. The guy stands six foot four and weighs about 230, and he's all muscle. And he's violent. Four years of death threats, it mattered. But Jesus did the same thing for us while we shake our fists and hate Him with all we got. Shoot, look at our culture around us. Our culture hates God. And yet He says, I love you. And my people are going to mix with you all so they can share my love with you. So they can share my dream for you. And that is through the Gospel. May they share with their words the Gospel. May they... Change or help you change your life. I'm taking you and I'm making you my own. 
Maddie's not my adopted daughter. Maddie's my daughter, and I will die for her. Mess with Maddie, you mess with Daddy. Because I'm hers, and she's mine. Just as much as my other ones. She's mine. He adopted us. We belong to Him. And He cares for, us, uh, cares for us like a shepherd does his flock. What does a shepherd do? He throws himself at the lion to keep, protect his sheep. He throws himself at the wolf to protect his sheep. He carries a rod to discipline and, and bring things in. He carries a staff and he goes out and he brings them back in. And he goes, I'm going to lead you with my staff, but I have a rod here. If you get out of line, I'm going to hold you to it. But the rod is not just for the sheep. It's for the wolves out there who would tear you apart. And I will defend you with all that I am. But not only that, He guides us to where we need to go. And He nurtures us with His Word and through the Spirit that teaches us. And He feeds us with His Word. And the fun part, he even has to discipline us sometimes. And he's also preparing a place for us in his mansion above. And he's given us an eternal home with our eternal family, the church. He's our father. He is Abba. And he has made us his people. I can't think of anyone less deserving to be called His than me, myself. And yet He loved me and said, You're mine. It's a Father that doesn't beat me. It's a Father that cares for me. It's a Father that guides me and walks beside me. Not like the one I had. I love my Father. So I will worship Him. He is good. For the Lord is good. He is the source of all good things, of all blessings. He provides and He saves. He has offered unwarranted grace. He has offered mercy to us all. He has paid the price for our sin debt. And when the gap was too great for even the best of humanity, Jesus said, I'll fill in the gap so they might cross over. I'll fill the gap so upon my shoulders they can come home. He is good and He is eternally loving. His loving kindness is everlasting. He loved us so much He gave Himself for us. You might know John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. His love never stops. You can't do anything to stop Him from loving you. And when we mess up, we don't have to give up because we messed up. We don't have to quit because we have a Father who's willing. As soon as we turn around, He's waiting there with wide open arms and saying, Come on home, my child. I love you. Return to me. And when we forgive, when we confess, He always forgives. He's always faithful to forgive us. He's always faithful to forgive the repentant heart because He is eternally loving. And in His faithfulness and His faithfulness to all generations, 
Not only is he eternally loving, he is eternally faithful. His goodness and love endure forever. He always keeps his word. He is the one that can be trusted to never fail you. As we close, I would encourage you, the next time you gather, come ready to worship. Come ready to worship the one and only who's worthy of it. Come ready to worship. And while I won't be here, I will probably hear about it. I hope to. But maybe there's someone in the room that doesn't know this Jesus I talk about. That doesn't personally know the God whom I serve. Well, let me tell you something. Most people have a hand. This represents me. I'm small and I'm insignificant. In the course of the rest of my body, it is probably the smallest and sometimes the most annoying thing I have. But it's small, almost insignificant. But it still matters. But it also represents the fact that I'm created in the image of God. In Genesis it says, let us create man in our image. He created us to be like Him and with Him. To have relationship with Him. But we all got a problem. This finger represents sin. It's our sin problem. We all have this issue. I don't know about you, but I know me. And there ain't a Ten Commandment I ain't broke. What? Yeah, let's walk through. Have I ever cursed the name of the Lord? Shoot, yeah, especially before I came, became a Christian. I hated God. And His, word, His name meant nothing to me. Yes, I have said His name in vain. Yes, I placed other things before Him. Yes, I worshipped soccer before God. Yes, I've done all that. No, did I honor my father and mother all the time. No. Well, let's get to the evidence. Have I ever told a lie? Anybody else told a lie? I know I have. And if you said no, you just lied. Welcome to the sinful of the rest of us. Well, what about the other ones? Have, have you ever lusted after someone? Yep. Sure have. How about murder? Yep. Anybody else in here a murder? I can't be the only murderer in the room. Now let's look at what Jesus said. What did Jesus say about murder? Anybody ever said in your heart, has anybody ever said, I hate you? Or said, hey, you're a fool. Anybody thought that? Guess what? According to Jesus, you're a murderer. Man, what a great preacher was here in the pulpit today. He's a lying and probably thieving, uh, murderous, uh, slanderous uh, man in heart. And yes, I was. We all have that problem. But the great thing about it is right in the middle of it all. The middle of creation, the middle of everything, stands God who's bigger than it all and He's in the midst of it all and He wants to have a relationship with us. But what's the problem? That thing in the middle is sin and because of our sin, God can't have a relationship with you. And there's nothing I can do to earn my way back to Him. You can't go over it, can't go around it, can't go through it, can't go beside it, can't walk, meander your way around it. You, it took something beyond me. Nothing I can do to move that sin out of the way. But God loving me so much because not only is He all wrathful and all judgment and all holy, He's also all loving. And because He's all loving, He sent His one and only Son to die for me. 
And he said, if you will, I said, he, he came here and he lived a perfect life. The life that I could not live. Lived absolutely perfect. No sin in that man. And he lived here perfectly. But not only that, he died upon a cross paying my sin debt. And I'm thankful that Jesus, when he died, didn't say, it is almost done. It's semi-complete. No, he said, it is finished. What I came here to complete, I came here to pay for the sins of man. It is finished. It is done. And if you will trust in Him, you are A-OK. It's that simple. That simple. Do you know the God we worship? As they come up here to sing, revive us again. Do you know the God we worship? Have you surrendered Him with a worship lifestyle? Deal with God this morning. Ladies.